Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. It's interesting that the scripture that I want to open with is one that was brought up twice in prophetic word tonight. Isn't that good? Don't you love it when God does that? Let's look at Jeremiah 29. I love that, that, you know, only God knows... (laughs) what I'm going to be talking about, and yet he's already put it upon people's hearts. And I I appreciate that the Holy Spirit does that very much. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you. God's got good plans for you. And sometimes, it's like the word came forth tonight. Sometimes you can be like, God, you, you still got some plans for me? <laughs> you didn't forget me, did you? But God says, no, I know the plans I have for you. Do you know that the Bible says that God, um, it, that it is the, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, but it also says that the, the path of the righteous grows brighter you know, it's like day by day. You don't usually get, you know, the next year's steps laid out in front of you. What you get is just a little bit of a step right in front of you. And just know that, okay, God, we're going somewhere together. As I keep moving forward with what you're directing me to do, we're going to wind up at the place that you promised me that we would be. Amen. And so another thing that's been on my heart here the last couple of weeks have been caterpillars and butterflies. And so tonight I want to talk to you about metamorphosis. If y'all remember back to biology class, we, we studied this very fascinating process of metamorphosis. And it happens in a number of species, but what's most dramatic and applicable to us tonight is the caterpillar to butterfly metamorphosis. And I always get a special delight and joy out seeing, about seeing butterflies out in the yard, you know. You go, oh, butterflies, you run and go, you know, catch them. And, and I came across a website that it says it is the most favorite insect. You know, more people have collections of butterflies or sites devoted to butterflies or they grow gardens to have butterflies than any other type of an insect. So a metamorphosis is a biological process by which an animal physically develops after birth or hatching. So they're, they're, you know, the little egg is hatched, but it doesn't look like a little tiny butterfly yet, does it? It looks like a little grub, a little worm. The metamorphosis involves a conspicuous and relatively abrupt change in the animal's form or structure. It's amazing when you look at the caterpillar and the, and the butterfly, the before and after pictures. I mean, if it wasn't that you learned that in science class or you ever saw it, you'd have a hard time believing that that butterfly used to be anything at all like that caterpillar, wouldn't you? Because they seem to have absolutely nothing in common. Maybe two eyes and that's about it, right? Because they look so completely different. You know, it is just not what we expect. And also, for those of us, I mean, we're used to, you know, mammals, you know, people. Little babies are just miniature adults. They look a lot the same, you know. Little puppies grow up to be big dogs. I mean, we're used to that sort of a thing. But you look at a caterpillar, 
and you say, I never would have put that and that together. And we think about the wisdom and the diversity of the Creator. You know, the Bible teaches us that we need to learn from nature, that there are scriptural, uh, spiritual truths that are imparted to us in nature. And so a metamorphosis is a conspicuous, this is not a subtle change a caterpillar goes through, right? This is a dramatic and an abrupt change. And in some of these insects, insects it takes place in as short a time as a month. There are others that can take years and years. You know those ones that come out every 15, 16 years? Uh, cicadas. You know, it, it, they spend most of their lives in a little hard shell, you know, evolving. How many of you think that's a long time to not just be <laughs> doing that, come out every nine years, 15 years, whatever it is they do, years and years in between them. But what is happening is there is this abrupt change that is not just the way that the animal looks on the outside, but it's the very structure has been changed. Because a caterpillar has a you know, big fat body, little stubby feet, right? It's got to grow into this big winged thing. You know, I mean, it looks so completely different. So there's got to be a complete transformation. And it happens through cell growth and through differentiation. Because you look at how it starts out, there's a tremendous evolving until what it winds up. And most of the time, in the animal world, a metamorphosis is accompanied by a change of habitat and a change of behavior. You know, caterpillars just kind of crawl along and eat leaves, right? That's all they do. They crawl along and eat leaves. Do you know that a butterfly does not eat leaves? A butterfly no longer crawls on the ground. A butterfly flies and eats flower pollen. I mean, so there's been such dramatic transformation in this creature. It doesn't live the same way. Its existence is totally different than what it has ever known. The word metamorphosis, if you break it down, in the Greek, meta means after or beyond or with. Morph means form or structure, and osis means actions, conditions, or states. So you put them together, and the short definition is metamorphosis is the process of changing the form or the structure. So that's what we talk about when the caterpillar quits eating, and goes into that change process until it emerges an adult butterfly. A caterpillar is an eating machine. That's all it does is eat. I mean, how have you ever seen a skinny caterpillar? Doesn't happen, right? That's all they do is eat, which is why, you know, you get some varieties in your garden or whatever, they can pretty much strip the plants. You get a lot of them in there because all they do is live to eat. <laughs> eat, eat, eat. Now, and then what happens when they have eaten enough, according to whatever timetable that God has given them, the next thing that it does is it begins to molt its skin. But instead of the normal process of molting skin, which allows for it to just grow larger and larger, you know how like snakes do that? They, they shed their skin so they can come into something bigger. Instead of, instead of this time, the caterpillar, when it sheds its skin, what it does is it moves into the place of creating that cocoon. It moves into a pupal skin, and that skin is much tougher, much thicker than any previous skin that it's had. So he's not quite as sensitive as he used to be. Becomes a little bit more 
encased. And so as he moves into this place, this new pupil case or this cocoon, what happens is when he moves into that, uh, first of all, before he moves into that, he gets really still. When he senses it's time for change, he gets really still and he starts looking for where is a safe place that I can go hide away from predators, a place where I can go and get attached so I can stay for a while, a month or however many years it is, until the process is complete. So he, he gets very still away from predators and you and I have have probably seen often. You look, go by and look at a bush, go to shrubbery, and you see there's a cocoon there where a butterfly is about to come out. And so what happens is that once he is in that cocoon and he is attached to that stem, he's not going anywhere, what's happening is that a lot of his old body begins to die. Now this is a weird process because what happens is the same process that allowed him to eat all of those leaves, now that same, those same en enzymes begin to work upon his structure and most of his body begins to get destroyed inside of this cocoon. And he almost liquefies, turning into the cocoon. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird? It was the process of growth led him to this place most of his tissue is destroyed, except for there's a special collection of formative cells that remain. There's a small collection of cells that he has not really used up until this point. These cells are what are necessary that he's going to need to have growth for those cells for the adult life. So it's like the old is being eaten up, it's dying. And this is a process of programmed cell death that is absolutely necessary for a butterfly to emerge. And it is, it's necessary for a regrowth. Everything that has brought him to this point, and then it begins to look like, I mean, from a natural point of view, you'd think something is going horribly wrong. Because all he's done is eat, 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 come up to a place, cocoon, getting still, and now it's like he's being destroyed on the inside out. On the outside, it looks very calm and very quiet. Inside, there is massive, massive change. Everything that he has internalized already is working to regenerate a new identity and a new growth. Isn't that interesting? I found this really fascinating, okay? The job of those new cells, the special formative cells, is to supervise the building of the new body out of the soup that the in insect's digestive juices have made. I mean, talking about your primordial ooze, it's not really prim primordial, <laughs> but basically it turns into ooze, and so you got these cells that in the midst of all that nutrition and all that breakdown, break in the midst of that, a new body is being formed in the middle of it. So everything that he has eaten before has become internalized in a new rebuilding process. And during this time, the insect is extremely vulnerable because he can't go anywhere. He doesn't have any feet anymore, okay? And he's attached to a stem. He can't go anywhere. And God has designed it that when it's time, time is right, when he is fully and ready and mature to come out, that he begins to get his own way out of the cocoon. Now, from time to time, there's been somebody, and maybe you tried this as a child, there's been somebody who wanted to help the butterfly. And they come and they have tried to cut open and 
make it easier. Some people have done the same thing with baby chicks who are trying to hatch out of an egg. They wanted to make it easier for the chick and they cracked it open. What happens when that happens? You kill it. You kill it. Because what happens is God has designed it that it's the very strength that it takes to get out of that cocoon is what gives the butterfly the ability to fly. If, they, if somebody helps them out, the muscles never get the, the strength and building that they need. And so when, he, when he's opened up, he doesn't have the strength to lift up his own wings. And so he'll die. Same thing happens with a chick. He's not able to endure the outside world because he didn't have the strength to get through the process or somebody tried to help him out. So it is really imperative that the butterfly goes through a very strenuous and difficult process all by himself. He doesn't have anybody else to help him. What he's doing is he's trusting the process. It's what he has done so far in his growth and maturity has brought him to this place. And even though it's complete change and different from everything he has known before, if he stays in the process, he's going to emerge into what God had designed for him to. And so when they start to come out, the butterfly starts to come out of the cocoon. You know, they do this during the daytime. They don't do this at night. They do it in the day. Because a butterfly, as he begins to come out, the wings are all, you know, curled up. As he begins to come out and begins to stretch his wings, as he begins to stretch, the wings begin to unfurl, and then the warmth of the sun begins to dry them off, and then you watch him take off. After he stood there for a few moments and gotten warm, the sun's what dries him off, and then he can fly. You know, they, butterflies will not hatch at night. They have to have daylight for them to be able to fly and to be able to take off. The cocoon, the cocoon is left behind. It's never to be returned to again because that was an old structure. It served its purpose, but it was time. It was something he has no use for anymore. The cocoon was a protective and a place of incubation, but it's not something that he needs any longer, and so he can go free from it. And so now, for the first time, the butterfly gets to find out what it is to fly, which he was always destined to do, and gets to taste flower pollen for the very first time. Now, like I said, the scripture talks about that we need to learn things from, from scripture. So what's the verse say here? I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Makes you wonder if you or I were in that little cocoon and things started liquefying <laughs> and things, you're like, oh my goodness, what's happening, you know? Do, am I just encased in this thing, this place of restraint and difficulty? Am I encased here to die? No, you're not encased so much to die. Yes, there, there is a rebuilding that's taking place. But the thing is, he's, it's going through the cocoon is what's going to bring him forth into the place of actually flying as he was always born to do. And so going back to the scripture here, God has got personal plans for each one of us. But probably what we hadn't counted on was there's a cocoon <laughs> on the way. You know, so much of the time is, you know, we've watched some people, man, they're beautiful butterflies. Man, they just out there just, you know, flowing. They're beautiful. They've got the, 
power of God in their life, the glory of God, and here I am, just me, just crawling along, just eating, 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 you know. I'm just going to every Bible study I can. I'm going to every church service I can. I'm getting all the prophecy I can, getting all the prayer I can. Eat, 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 eat. Isn't it good? Isn't it good having a good time? And then God starts talking to you. And the next thing you know, you find yourself in a place of restraint. And what is going on? But God is saying everything that's been put in you in the past is meant to be incubated. It's meant to be a part of your new experience. And hang in there with God's process. And you're going to enter into a place of the end of your metamorphosis. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if we're looking at, we can see that and in, in already begin to draw some spiritual correlation between the natural realm. I mean, I believe that we can look back over our lives and we can all say that, that we've been through different times of, of seasons of intense learning, you know, seasons of pressure, seasons of having bondages broken, mindsets reconfigured. You know, all of that is part of the process to get you into the place that God ultimately destined that you would be. You know, it's just like the Israelites had no clue that the way to the promised land was 40 years in the desert, round and round and round and round. I mean, that wasn't their, their chosen method of getting there, right? And it certainly didn't take the amount of time that they thought it would take. But, you know, God knows the plans that he has for each one of us. And he knows that there are certain process, processes that each one of us need to go through to get there. We can, and some some things that folks you need to understand is the reason that you're in such a place right now is because you've been feeding on the word you've been in prayer you've had your prophecy you're holding fast you're making declarations of faith and what you're doing is you're pushing yourself into a cocoon you think you're headed towards a butterfly state but you don't realize cocoon comes first and the truth is this is what God is after is that we have so much strength that is invested in us. We have such experience with having our mindsets changed, getting our minds renewed with the Word of God, enough experience with the things of God that we're able to get through every dark night of the soul, every season of change, every difficulty, and we say, the things I learned in the last season will get me through the current challenges. And at the end of it, I'll overcome and live to tell about it and encourage somebody else. Hallelujah. This is, where we're, this is where we're at. You know, it's all, this is the reason that you're born. You know, there are some of us that we have been, haven't we, been pushing and plowing away. We look at our prophetic words and they're like, God, when's that going to happen? When's that going to happen? When's that going to happen? And we've stood and we've pushed and we've stood and we've pushed. And we got another prophecy. We added it to the stack. Got another prophecy. God, you said you're going to do this. You said you're going to do that. Meanwhile, God is adjusting. He's bringing us through storms and pressure situations and exposing us to new ideas and thoughts to where we're getting transformed, we're getting changed. And then all of a sudden, there you are. You're crawling out of your cocoon. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said to, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. 
Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, in America, we don't particularly um, believe that. <laughs> you know, it's like, who's the strong, you know, man of God? Who's the strong person? Do you know what? There are many times we come through challenges to where we are brought to the end of ourselves. We don't have anything else to give. And that's where God is saying, my strength is made perfect in all weaknesses. The places where we're like, God, I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to do anything about it. That's where God is using our weakness as a place where his glory is shown. And he says here, my grace is sufficient. Well, what's God's grace? Grace is, of course, his divine favor. It's the friendly disposition, toward God, disposition of God. It's his goodwill towards us. Not only is it his favorable, favorable attitude towards us, but it's also that he makes his resources available to us. We have the power that we need. We have the equipment that we need. Everything that God is releasing on our behalf so that we may walk in his will, so that we may fulfill everything he's called us to do. There are times that you and I have felt like, you know, God, I just can't do this anymore. I don't know about that. But you know what? He says, if you'll humble yourself, you'll find grace to help in time of need. Grace is always there to do what God has called you to do. Isn't that true? Grace is always there to do what God's called you to do. So if you're entering into a place where the grace is running out, then it's time to anticipate you must be about ready to leave your cocoon. It must be time for change if you're at the point where it ain't working anymore. Right? Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So, grace to handle going from caterpillar to cocoon to butterfly. This is to handle the change that is in there. That is such a tremendous, just cataclysmic change that butterfly experiences. And yet, there are things that God wants to do in you and me that are just as monumental that are just as, as phenomenal. And there is going to be grace to get us there. You know, Moses didn't think that he was capable of being a leader for the children of Israel, did he? He's like, I stutter. I had a rage problem. You know, I, I don't think I speak too good. You know, I mean, there are so many people you look who God raised up and God used. You know, many of them, Moses was one who argued with God. I think you've got the wrong one. You know, Gideon, somebody else. I don't think so, God. Not in this state, not in this condition. Do you know that God knows something better about you than you know about yourself? God knows what you're capable of because he's the one that, that ordered your steps and he's the one that gave you a destiny that you have yet to walk in. And whatever you're in right now, God's intent is that you're moving forward, forward, forward and becoming that expressive creation that he has called you to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And his grace is sufficient. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may find mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So draw near. When you and I are in the place of struggle, of difficulty, of not understanding what's going on, it's time to come near to the throne of grace because we're going to come there and God's going to give us what we need. How many of you have got, you know, you can think of incidents right now to where you thought, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. And yet you found that God stepped in. And maybe he didn't remove the situation, 
But maybe what he did was he gave you the peace, he gave you the wisdom, he gave you the support, he gave you whatever you needed to get through the current situation. We've all experienced it, haven't we? Because why? Because God is faithful. He doesn't always remove every hard and difficult thing, but he does give you the grace to get through it. And that's the promise of Scripture. So there's, there's no temptation that's, that anyone has suffered, right? The Bible says it's common to man. And he gives you the grace to overcome every temptation. That's the temptation to fear, the temptation to panic, the temptation to flip out, the temptation to lose your temper, the temptation to whatever, lose faith. All those are temptations that God gives us the grace to overcome every single time because he is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Hebrews also tells us that we should see to it that none of us fall short of that grace of God. How do we find the grace of God in challenging circumstances? We surrender. That's what the word and everything came forth tonight. It's surrender to the will of God. We surrender to that. He gives us the grace to deal with and adjust to whatever we need to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus told Paul it was hurting him to kick against the pricks. Remember? He was fighting the will of God. And Jesus said, you know, this is hurting you. It ain't hurting me. It's hurting you. And haven't we all been there a time to where we have resisted and struggled with what God's will was? Just, I don't know, it doesn't sound good. I don't want to for whatever reason until God finally won out. Aren't you glad God finally won out? Hallelujah. You're happier when God wins out, aren't you? Life is easier when God wins out. We should learn that, you know. We should learn to just cry uncle fast, you know. Uncle, I give, I give, right. First Peter 5, 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God's opposed the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, why can you cast your anxiety? Because we're going to remember what he said in Jeremiah, that God has got plans for us. You see, it's when we don't have a vision that God's got a plan for what he's doing in our lives. Then we start to get panicky. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? It doesn't make sense. He says, we're going to cast our anxiety on him and trust that he's got a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Amen? Verse 8. Be, sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith. Just like the caterpillar, once he's stuck in that cocoon, he ain't going nowhere. No time to backtrack. No time to say this wasn't a good idea to cling to this particular stem. Right? Once you're there, we're going to stay put. This is a picture of remaining in faith and not wavering. Verse 9, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What's that? That's butterflies, y'all. That's butterflies. Perfectly beautiful, confirmed, Strengthened and established, no longer crawling on the ground, but out there flying around in God's sunshine, 
doing what you were designed to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The God of all grace will perfect. He will conform us. He's going to complete everything he's begun in us, folks. He says, I know the plans I have for you. You know, we're living in a time to where God is able to reveal a lot of his plans for us, isn't he? I mean, we're living in a time we believe that God, first of all, speaks through Scripture. We live in a time we have one in our own language that you can pick up any time. It didn't cost you a year's salary to have a Bible, right? See, what a great time to live. You can pick up, most, most Christians have more than one Bible. Who has more than one Bible? All right, see? <laughs> most of us have more than one in various forms. You get it on, you know, CD, you got it on your computer, you got, you know, whatever, several versions, okay? So we have available to us, we can go into the Word of God at any time, and we can find out what God's plans are for us. We can find out general plans for us according from the general revealed, revealed Word of God, but many times the Holy Spirit will illumine a verse for us, won't he? And he'll say, this is for you. I am the Lord that heals you. And you read that, and it goes off. God, that's your plan for me, is that I'm healed, right? So God will use the Scripture. We also live in a time where we believe that God speaks to us by His Spirit. He will speak to us through, um, through dreams, through visions, through prophetic words, through teaching, out of the mouth of children. You turn on the radio. We believe that God speaks. I mean, I had God speak to me through television and movies. How about you? You turn it on, it's like... Oh, God, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. You know, because it, they didn't intend that, but God used it and sent a message on that frequency and said, you're going to get this message. I've had, you know, the Lord speak to me concerning, you know, movies I've seen. I'm like, this is a message from God. So the Lord does that. And so we, we've got so many ways that we can learn what his will is for each one of us, what his plans are. But, you know, a lot of times what happens is we get those prophecies, we have those dreams, we have that little bit of flash of revelation, and we don't do a whole lot with it. We just go, okay, that sounds nice, and it doesn't happen in a week or a month or six months. And what happens to many people is they let go, don't they? They let go, and they no longer believe it anymore. And many times what does the Lord do? He tells you again. He tells you a third time. He tells you a fourth time. How many of you gotten the same type of word more than once. God's spoken to you specifically about something he intends for your future. Isn't that right? Praise God. He has spoke to us, said, I know the plans I have for you. And that plan for you includes. And you hear it and you go, okay, God, here we go again. I, I felt that way. I thought, okay, one more word telling me the exact same thing. One more word. What does that do? That comforts my heart that God hadn't changed his mind for one thing that he still intends the thing that he first spoke, you know, quite some time ago. He knows the plans that he has for us. Not bad plans, not plans through disaster, but plans to give you hope in the future. So I wonder where you are in your transformation right now. You know, are you in the caterpillar stage? Are you in the cocoon stage? Are you butterfly? Where are you at in your, in your evolving with the Word of God and as a believer? You know, all of us are called to receive teaching, to receive activation, healing, deliverance. I mean, we have all received a lot of ministry. What's that all about? Everything that has been vested into us as men and women of God has been to take us into the next season, you know? I would say that, you know, for 
all of you, this was not your first church, right? You were somewhere else first. The things that were invested in you in that season brought you to a point to where you were ready to receive what is here in this season, right? If this had been the first kind of church I'd ever walked in, I'd have had a lot of adjustment to doing. But because of the previous lessons, what I'd already learned in years past about the nature of God, the Word of God, and as over years God built line upon line, precept upon precept, and He began to lay strong foundation, now it's easy for me to believe things about the Word, believe things about God that, you know, 30 years ago, I wouldn't have believed. I wouldn't have believed. But God has been laying a foundation for many years, and so now I can say, okay, all of that has been preparation for where we are right now. And I'm here to tell you that what God is doing in your life right now has an intention and a purpose. It's not just to, for this season, but it's that you absorb everything you need in this season because there's a new season coming. There's one where you're going to flourish like a butterfly. And so if you're in your place of, of I don't know, everything's dissolving. <laughs> everything's not looking too good. What happened to my legs? You know, what happened? <laughs> you know, what happened? I remember feeling like that many years ago. I went through a season, and God just said, okay, all those gifts you got, we don't need them for a while. Shut them all down. I thought, God, what happened to my gifts? They all dried up. What happened? What happened? You mad at me? What happened? I did not understand it was a cocoon stage. It was a thing where God says, you ain't doing that right now because by the time I get done, when I release your gifts, it's not going to sound the same, it's not going to look the same, it's not going to have the same impact. You see, there's so many times, folks, we are short-sighted and we do not understand that God is doing a work of transformation. And you know what? We are all about the destination and God's all about the journey. Isn't that the truth? Oh, my goodness. I am so bad at that. I'm always talking about when we get there, you know. And God's always about, no, this is where we are right now. Let's just live and enjoy this season right here. I don't feel like this season, God. Let's get there. Let's get there. <laughs> but he's after something that as we yield to his process, we're going to be happy with the results, folks. We are going to be happy. Everything has been an investment. You know, I look back over... You know, sometimes we've had some folks who have, you know, walked in the door and through job or military or whatever situation, they were here for a very short time. You know, we grew to love them and they just, they left, you know. But you know that we've always had prophetic words about that. They'll come through, you'll touch them, you'll send them. They'll come through, you'll touch them, you'll send them. We've always had words about that. We have people that showed up. Remember, we had crews of people coming from other states, a whole bunch of them, found us online, came in, we touched them, we blessed them, sent them on their way. You know, that was our role. That was our job description, was to touch them and send them on their way. And we, you know, we just say, you know what? It's what Paul said, you know, one sows and other waters and God gives the increase. There are some people that we sow into their lives. There are other people, we just water them. And there are some people, we get the harvest from what somebody else has sown and somebody else has, has watered. Isn't that true? So the whole thing is just like it's his kingdom anyway. So we all learn, we just do what we're supposed to do at the time we're supposed to do it and trust that God's plans for each one of us are good and they will be fulfilled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It, caught, it makes you relax a little bit. 
you know. It's casting your care over upon him. There's been so many times, you know, I got myself worked up in a sweat. Well, God, what about this and what about that and how is that going to happen? And finally it's like, you know what, we're just going to trust God. Isn't that a revelation? <laughs> what a profound revelation. We're going to trust God. You know, we're going to believe Jeremiah 29:11 that God has plans. You know, I've said this many times and I really believe it's true. If you and I have a heart for God's will to be done, do you know that you cannot screw it up so bad he can't fix it? There are so many Christians are afraid of making a mistake. I'm afraid of missing God. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. You know what? Why don't we get out there and just go blunder for God? I'm going to give it a shot. I'll learn something in the process. Either this was really, really God, or I'll learn what not to do next time. <laughs> I've learned a lot of things just by mistakes and watching other people's mistakes, right? Why do we think we have to do everything perfect all the time? So many children, you ever notice that? Children raise up. They think, I don't want to do it if I can't do it perfect. Oh, my goodness. That's not what life's about. Life's about learning as you go, right? Trying to repeat the same mistakes over and over again, but, you know, trying to, to, to learn something and get into that next place that we are. So, thinking about that, let's think over what is God doing in your life? Where are you in your transformation? Are you in the place of, I've gotten these prophetic words, God's spoken some dreams to my heart, He's impressed upon me a desire, there's something, but it just didn't happen yet. I don't know where it's at, it's just not there. It looks like nothing is working. It's like, I thought it was working. And you know what? That's the place of the cocoon. That's the place of believing God, staying firm, and not tossing away everything you've previously learned. So I have an assignment for you this week. I want you to go over your prophecies. Dig out your prophecies. Go dig them out and review them. What has God been saying to you? What has he said? You know, there are sometimes. I mean, I can forget about it, can't you? I can go for months and months and just forget. And every now and then I'm like, you know what? I need to go pull those things out. What did God say? You know, it's one thing. You're usually in one state when you get the word, and then you're in a completely different set of circumstances when it manifests. So when you get your word, you're listening, you're going, okay, okay, okay. Well, whatever, God. And then you lay it aside. And then six months later, a year later, however much time passes, two years later, you pull out that word and you go, oh, now I get it. Now it makes sense. Now I have understanding. So your assignment is to go back over your prophecies. I don't care how old they are. I don't care where you got them. If you believe, or even things from your journal, if you believe that things that God has spoken to you over the years, to go back over them this this past this coming week and look and say God what are you doing in my life where am I what is it that you're working to bring because part of what God is doing is growing us up and maturing us as I said in the beginning he's also working to change our mindsets you know when Abraham was told that he was going to you know have a son he's gonna be the father of nations for a long time he figured that was gonna happen because he and Hagar were hooking up right that's how he thought it was going to be. And God says, no, there's another way. This is going to be through your wife, Sarah. Right? 
Sometimes, you know, when Jesus was talking about, he said, in three days, destroy this temple, I'll raise it up. Everybody thought he was talking about the stone temple. And actually, he was talking about his body, wasn't he? You know, in hindsight, everybody could understand what he was talking about. But at the time, nobody got it. You may be surprised as you go over your prophecies this, this coming week, and you may discern, discern that, God, you have been talking to me about this particular thing, and I've never seen it before now. I remember Bishop Hammond talking about he had, uh, of course, he's been involved in prophetic circles for longer than most people, and that he had wound up um, in the hospital for a season of time. And so while he was there laid up, he decided to go pull out all of his old prophecies and just kind of go over them and saying, God, what have you been saying to me? And as he began to go through, for the first time, he noticed he had all these words about write the book, write the book, write the book, write the book. He said it had never really dawned on him before until he pulled out his prophecies and began to look. And then he's like, God, you have told me over and over and over, write the book, write the book. Well, guess what? When he was laid up, he couldn't go anywhere, so he decided he better start writing the book. And so he did, and that was the Eternal Church, the first book that he wrote. And I wonder how many of us have something that God has spoken to us, maybe way back when, that we have never responded to, we've never acted on, because we didn't have understanding. We didn't realize that God was requiring a response on some level. How many of you going to do that this week? You're going to look at your prophecies. All right? And if you hadn't got them typed up, you know how to get them done, right? You know how to get them transcribed. If you don't have them transcribed, just pop them in the machine. Just pop them over and just listen and listen. And it's amazing, too, when you do get them transcribed, and particularly if you just eliminate the human factor of who the person was that spoke this and just get the word of the Lord. You know, your, your memory is not colored by what you thought of that person. You just get the pure word of the Lord. Sometimes that's real eye-opening, too, when we just remove that aspect. Hallelujah. Okay. So I want us to pray. Because I believe that as we go over our prophetic words over the next few days, that the Holy Spirit of God is going to put His fingers on some aspects of our words. And it may also be that the Lord reminds you of a dream. I had this happen to me earlier this week. I all of a sudden remembered a dream I had like six years ago. And all of a sudden, the revelation of the dream's meaning became extremely clear to me. Whereas for six years, I've been going, well, I kind of think it might mean this, maybe, 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 maybe. And then this week, not even trying to figure it out. Isn't that how God works many times? I wasn't trying to figure it out. It's all of a sudden, the memory of the dream came, and what came with it was the interpretation. You know, sat on it for six years, but then here it came. So let's, let's pray. Father, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that each one of us would properly digest and apply the lessons of the past into the new season that you're bringing each one of us in. For every one of us, Lord God, who's in that little caterpillar stage where we've been just devouring the word, devouring prophecy, devouring the moving of your spirit, Lord God, every one of us who've been grow, 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 I ask you, Lord God, that you would cause us to have a clear understanding of what's it all about. 
What are we doing so much feeding on? What are we doing so much training for? What is it that you're wanting to bring us into? Lord God, for those of us who are in that place of restriction, that place of internal transformation, that place to where everything's being turned upside down and we don't know what's going on. I ask, Lord God, that we would pass our tests, remain strong in faith, and that we would, we would act and behave and believe in harmony with the lessons that we've already learned, that we would pass our test, and that, Lord God, that we would remain strong and stable in faith and allow you, Lord, to complete what you have begun on the inside of each one of us. And for, Lord God, those of us who are beginning to enter that place of sensing it's a time for breaking out of the cocoon, a time of breaking into that new freedom that you've called us to, I ask you, Lord God, that we would also be able to leave the cocoon of the past, that we would not just you know, cry over it or weep over it or feel bad about it, but just thank you, Lord God, for what you have done in our lives up to this point. Lord God, we thank you for all the investment because you have invested years in us, Lord God. You've invested years of teaching, of training, of processing. You have invested so much, Lord God, that you're wanting to have a harvest out of our lives. So, Father God, I also pray that each one of us, Lord God, where are, wherever we are in metamorphosis, that we would receive your grace for transformation. Your grace, that Lord God, that you would just brand that upon our hearts, that you know the plans you have for us. And your plans involve going through much transformation. But God, your plans for us are good and you will complete everything that you have begun in us in Jesus' name. Lord God, I want to thank you. Lord, church, let's just thank the Lord for a complete metamorphosis. Hallelujah. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for completing what you've begun in us. Lord God, we're not getting stuck as a caterpillar. Lord God, we're not getting stuck in a cocoon. We're not getting stuck in the things of the past. But Lord God, you are completing that metamorphosis. And we're going to enter into the destiny as sons and daughters of God. Lord God, everything you've invested, everything you've put in us, it's coming forth in the next season. And so, Lord God, we praise you that you've got a destiny for each one of us. Hallelujah. Lord God, you've got things. You have prophesied. You've spoken. You've declared. God, you've got a good future for each one of us. And Lord God, we're going to walk into it with your wisdom, with your power, with your strength. And Lord God, we'll never be the same. Hallelujah. We will never be the same. But Lord God, we will live and soar for your glory. Lord God, you know what you're doing in our lives. And we praise you, Lord God, for you are good and you are faithful. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.